guys, it's John Farris, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas. Welcome to In Excess Access All Areas. Um, it's just me here today, B. although I do have a few special guests helping me with this week's podcast. So um, thank you for joining us. Um, we hear that you had uh, a lovely time listening to John last week. How amazing was he? He was so giving with his time. So thank you, John, and to Kerry also for allowing him to stay a little bit longer. So yes, um, it will be going into three parts there. So second part happening later on in the show. Um, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody on the different platforms for their support this week. It's been amazing. Um, Michael Spriggs, thank you very much. I can't wait for my package of goodies to come along and we'll be getting those out onto the auctions later. So thank you so much for that. That's very, very kind of you. So what Michael sent me there is some... um, unique um, pieces of in excess memorabilia and uh, they're in absolute um, tip-top condition mint and we'll mention the auction that's um, alive at the moment and going off that we mentioned last week I'll tell you more about that in the show but I can see somebody outside my door let me just open the door and see who this is Oh my goodness, it's my friend Blair Dwyer from the Australian tribute band Don't Change Ultimate in Excess. Oh, wow, what a talent. Come on in. Oh, B, B, is it just... What? <laughs> come on, come on in. Take a seat, mate. Let's 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 get down to this because we haven't spoken in a long time. When was it? It's, it's just us. Hang on, it's just us. Where's Hayden? Oh yeah, it's just us. It's just finally. Us. Do you know finally. what? It'll be good. I can get a few words in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, doing, base? Good to see you. I'm doing okay. I have got a little bit of a cold, so I'm sorry if I do sound a little bit nasally. Um, I picked it up from my dad when I picked him up from the ship, bless him. So that was a good present. <laughs> no, it sounds good. You should be recording like a blues album. About oh, really? Be, yeah, it would sound sound very good. <laughs> oh, me and singing, I don't think that'll work really at all. <laughs> <laughs> so is this, is this kind of my audition to to take Hayden's spot in the podcast well, or well you never know look, I, I've just I've just got half a bottle of Pinot this time I okay. uh, haven't haven't overdone it it's been a while since we've chatted it's been 
how long has it been? Mm. On, on on here, of course. I mean, what? this is just a this is a conversation between friends. But when was the last time we were on here? Uh, when we recorded together, that was number five, I think. And so, and, if we and now think you're at about episode, it, now you're at episode three thousand and twenty. So <laughs> well, Hayden used to make me laugh by saying that, but yeah, we were at one hundred and twenty-seven, I think. Amazing, amazing, mm. and it's only taken one hundred and twenty-two episodes to get me back. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a big reason why we've got you back. Well, we do want to know about what you've been doing, but we've got something exciting to talk about at the very end as well. But um, you've got a new addition to your family too, haven't you? I do have a new addition, a very, very uh, joyful new addition. Well, mm. 16, 16 months old now, so she's wow. been with us for a little while, but um, a, a beautiful baby daughter. Uh, she's, I guess she's in the toddler stage now. It's a bit weird to say, but um, I think once they're talking, well, well, certainly walking and doing a bit of, bit of chatter, then they probably jump into the toddler uh, range of, of children and she's, um, she's a barrel of fun i'm looking at photos of her right now and she's just the cutest i just i spend a lot of my day looking at photos of her it's quite <laughs> it's quite sad really i think guys when they have babies i mean it's it's the baby face is cool but i think once they start communicating with you it lights you up even more doesn't it it does and she's starting to sing now she just oh. she doesn't speak a lot but she just sings melodies she just hums and she sings la 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 it's yeah. just so Lovely. I, I yes. don't know where that's come from, but it's. Um, I don't know where that's come from. It's, it's well. It's very welcome. <laughs> well, it's really lovely to have you here again. So thank you for um, spending the time with me. I think it's changed quite a bit, hasn't it? Your um, your lineup now. There's a few new guys there. We've always had a few guys come in and out just to keep the show rolling. Mm. Pre-COVID, uh, it was um, an easier scenario to perhaps have you know, five or six, or have six guys and be at, and be at the same people all the time. But a lot happened over that COVID period, as we, which we don't need to go into, of course, because everyone had their dramas. But what we discovered is we came out of COVID just itching to get back on the road. And we are playing more shows than we've ever played. We've got, you know, far more um, ambitious tours than we ever thought were possible, especially during that COVID period. So we've got a few fill-ins. We've got a few guys that can come in and out. And some of the guys have used to play with us in in the old days, sort of Steve Keys and guys like this on the keyboard. And, and so they're all, you know, music, great, fantastic musicians, you know, in excess lovers. Um, we never lose anything when, when a guy comes in and out of the band. We're very fortunate that some really high-quality musicians want to play um, with this group. And so I'm forever fortunate because it just means we get to keep the party going. We're out and about. We just we completed our What You Need tour, which was 35, 35 shows over Whoa. about a three- or four-month period. Yeah, Jeez. and we're, we're, we're smack bang in the middle of our Strangest Party tour, which is another 35 like shows, shows. Yeah, mm. and, and the next tour is already planned. Oh, what's the next tour going to be called? Should we do it now? Should we give oh, it I big... think so. Do it now. Well, we have another tour, and it's already penned in for Ooh. the beginning of March. Wow. Uh, it's our Good Times Tour. Oh, I like to, that. <laughs> it's going to take us all around Australia again, mm-hmm. some places we've never been before, which is Excellent. the most exciting. We love going to places we're comfortable in and, and have been there a lot of times, but getting into some new areas is fantastic as well. We'll get down to Melbourne. 
Yay. Maybe maybe Hayden will come and see us. Maybe. Maybe, maybe <laughs> if we send a helicopter uh, and let him have all he our He is rider. hard to pin down. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, we're getting it. We're going everywhere. Um, as part of, but in this current tour, the Strangers Party Tour, we're still yet to get to WA. We're getting over there in January, first time in three years. It's a ball. Is some Tasmania on your list ever? Tasmania is looking good for the Good Times Tour. I, I I'm not going to start announcing particular shows just right this moment, mainly because okay. I don't know them all. <laughs> <laughs> I speak to a couple of guys in Tasmania and they're always saying, you know, we feel like we're missing out when, on the little island. Yeah. It would be really cool for them if you went over. Yeah, I think man. I might even go for that. I love Tassie. Well, yeah. I mean, any excuse to get down there, we're, uh, mm. we're up for it. So if we can take the band and have a good time while we do it. Um, don't have to ask us twice. And I just love all the um, promotions that you do, um, your little videos, your behind the scenes. You're just so, such a fun band. You're, you're a great bunch, lads. You all oh, seem thanks. to get on. Mm, yeah. We really we do. We genuinely do. And, I mean, all these guys have sort of – we've all become each other's, you know, best friends. We talk about the Don't Change family, which is um, – headed by the band mum, who is our mm. manager. Oh, Dee, isn't she, she, she wonderful? She, <laughs> she keeps us all in line. And, Hello, uh, Deanne. <laughs> she keeps um, – and so we're very fortunate to have her. Um, she's a she's a wonderful woman. And, and then, yeah, but the guys just get together. It's, it's a blast every time. People say after our show, you guys look like you're having so much fun. And mm-hmm. that's – that's because we are. That's because, mm. you know, we, we genuinely are. Those two hours on stage are the best part of our day. You know, it's um, we, we, can, we spend all day waiting to get on stage and then when we're there, we just, we just let it out. I liken it to the um, Get Out the House tour um, gigs that In Excess mm. did because it feels mm. so intimate and sweaty and raw and it's the closest I've ever got to being back into an excess gig. I've, t- I've like I've said it before. I've, I've been to and just recently been to a lot of in excess gigs, and they're good. But you rock it, mate. And I am so so excited that we're going to be doing something together in Wollongong at Waves. Um, I've been speaking about this quite a lot on the show, but um, it's going to be big, isn't it? Man, it's um, it's it seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Mm. It was just another, it was just one of the shows on the tour, but it's it's gained uh, a whole lot of momentum, and there's there's something very special about this evening, very which I'm sure I'm sure special, I'm yes. sure we'll cover. Um, it's <laughs> um, it's sort of become this um really big deal, which we're um more than happy to uh to be you know the entertainment for and really um you know um commemorate something that um has a, a obviously a huge tinge of tinge of sadness to it but at the same time um you know we've we've in speaking to a lot of in excess fans recently about this particular thing we've kind of softened on the whole idea that it's something we shouldn't you know commemorate and so I'll let you say the next bit but <laughs> it's just something that we've um, yeah, we're, 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 we're feeling like it's going to be a very, very special night for more than one reason. Yeah. Well, I, I have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, how you got in touch with me and mm. you just said it was a very special and poignant and coincidental mm. um, reason mm. that it's just landed on this date. And it was as if like someone from above is saying, oh. hey, come on, come and party for me. And 
it's not only that. I mean, even this week, we've noticed that Richard Simpkins is doing something the day after. So, and he's calling it a hutch fest, which <laughs> makes, <laughs> I like it, um, mm. which makes that whole weekend something that the fans need. We need yeah. to get together and we need to honour our man. For those who don't know, November 26th, it's a Saturday, it's Waves at Wollongong. We're playing a show which happens to fall on the day that 25 years earlier, In Excess were supposed to start their Lose Your Head tour uh, 25 years ago to the night. They were supposed to perform at the same venue at Waves in Wollongong. And this gig uh, was booked without prior knowledge of that. When we put it out there as a, as a date, we lots of in excess fans contact us going, "Do you know what this means?" Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't. Um, nor did the person who booked the show. Um, however, as it turns out, once it got discovered, the guy that booked the show was supposed to be at the show twenty five mm-hmm. years previous, and we've mm-hmm. since discovered people who have tickets. Yes, same to that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, people have tickets to the show, which of course. They never got to go to because tragically Michael passed four days prior mm-hmm. uh, to commencement of, of the tour, which, which, sad. which, just talking about it, of course, sort of, um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's sort of um, goosebumpy. It sort of it does it does something to me. And when we discussed it with the best of the band, everyone sort of felt not less. This is probably not something to run away from. This is probably something to embrace, take it on. And do exactly what you said, which is have a have a party and celebrate not only the amazing music of In Excess as we do every night, but also take probably a little more of a moment to um, acknowledge Michael. And yeah, and, and we felt a little bit weirded about it initially because um, you know one view is this that maybe the maybe these sorts of anniversaries maybe maybe don't be um, acknowledged, but. I've got to say, we've kind of been talked out of that idea um, and it's, we've been talked out of that idea through people's love for Michael, love mm-hmm. for In Excess and just passion for the band. To put on a hell of a show, this this uh, this one at Waves, we, we sort of feel a bit of pressure, just not, it's, it's very welcomed pressure, but pressure to just really um, give people an In Excess experience um, like no other. We've got some help on the night. We've um, we've got a, an incredible band that does um, Jimmy Barnes and Cold Chisel music. They're called Barnstorm. Um, and you actually, B, were there when this whole thing, mm-hmm. the conception of this thing was at a, a gig in Coffs. Yes. <laughs> which we were on, we were playing this show in Coffs Harbour and B was front and centre. <laughs> do, you, do you know I had my dad with me at the time yes. and he, he was at the back and he said, God, they're a good band. I know their music. What is it? <laughs> I mean, Dad. Oh, Dad. <laughs> he really oh, dad. thought you were in excess. Bless him. <laughs> Bless him. But that night we were going through our thing and then just and then we started, we pl- started playing the song Good Times and <laughs> our guitarist who was playing that night looked at me and said, my mate's at the side of the stage. He is the singer of Barnstorm. He's an incredible Jimmy Barnes-esque 
singer bring him on and now we would never do this normally like just let someone up on stage and sing with us it's, you know you got to be pretty damn good if you're on our stage and you're on hand of the mic you better bring <laughs> oh it. my god Jess. you better bring it <laughs> you took it away yeah. from me quite quickly <laughs> <laughs> and not only did he bring it he absolutely nailed it and this oh, was my introduction this, yeah. this was my my introductions to these guys and um anyway Look, to be honest with you, that night um, we um, we said we, we, we should probably play a show with these guys. We don't do support acts often, but we are on this occasion. It's going to be a big one at Waves, 26th Saturday, 26th November. Barnstorm, we're going to play first. Then we're going to go up come and do our thing. Um, it'll be a, a special night with a, with. Um, and I'm going to yeah. be there. And oh, with yeah. my team, and yeah. we are going to go and find you. So if you can come along to the 26th of November down to Wollongong, it'd be great for those guys that, you know, had the ticket originally. I'd love to hear your stories. And we're going to um, record them and get them on the show for the week afterwards. So, yeah, if you if you think I should have been there, now's your opportunity to relive yeah. it. Not really, but to give it. Mm. We know what you, we know what you mean. You know um, me. Our job is to bring you guys a a great um, a great party, a great celebration. We will do that part. Um, we your part is that you you need to be there. That is your. I'm speaking to your listeners right now. This is yes. that's that's their they do. part is they do. to be there. They're going to miss you know, out. <laughs> and you know what this. Um, this is only going to happen once. As, as you said, it's by a freak of nature. It's by fluke. It's by something from above that has landed us all together on this particular weekend, 25 years after it was supposed to have happened. Yeah, it's heavy, but, man, we're just going to um, we're going to do our thing and, and really enjoy um, spending some good time with some In Excess fans. We, we always do after a show. We like to hang yeah. out with everybody. I feel like this is the type of show we're going to be hanging out with everyone before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I got because, a feeling that too. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we want to watch. Well, you want to watch Barnstorm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to watch. We're going to watch them and see them doing their thing. And um, you and mm. Hayden are setting up. Aren't you setting up a little your little booth inside our green room? We've got like- lots going on. We've got yeah. um, we've got um, Dr. Jim and Lisa. They're going to be going out into the crowd and finding mm. people and, mm-hmm. um, and asking their stories. And then we'll have them come back into the quiet room at the back and uh, mm-hmm. tell us the story. And we're going to put it on film. Hopefully, hopefully make a little movie out of this as well. And yes, and then we've got Mandy and Helen are going to be on a promotion table at the back and um, handing out some goodies. So there's going to be a lot going on. Man, it's, it's going to be full on. We um, we've uh, and the after party. It, yeah, and then and you know the best thing is there's no show the following night. So we will we are going to party. Ooh. We are going to party, and we want to we want to we want to finally meet a lot of these people. We we you know we mm. share a lot of you guys and us. We we share some in excess fans. They. And um, I get to meet them all around Australia. People telling me, "I'm Beast friend. I'm Beast friend." Oh, really? like, oh, oh yeah, yes, very much so. You know, as as in excess fans, just kind of going hand in hand and just, you know, let's put our arms around each other and let's oh, let's um. I love let's, that. Let's just um commemorate, celebrate, and just enjoy each other's company on what is you know um a pretty momentous occasion. So is, yeah. we're 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 honoured to be we're honoured to be part of it. I just love when I go to your shows to actually turn around from you and look at your audience and mm. see the happiness and everyone's singing and like you, you just go so far back. It's not just the first couple of rows; it's like 
everybody's into it right from the start you are just so good at making people feel part of your show and i thank you for that oh thank you well they are part of the show they're not only part of the show they are the show they are mean, the show. It, it, it would be a, it would be not much of a show if no one was there so you know what we need to do, what you need to do before coming to a Don't Change show is you need to listen to every In Excess album in the build-up because you've got to do your research because you, you don't do. know what you, it could, anything could come up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm certainly not going to spoil it for you now. Once the mics are off, I might tell you. But so there's not. not many of these tickets left, but there are a few. And where can they find out about getting these tickets? You, uh, our website's the probably website? the most, yeah, our website at www don'tchangeinexcess.com is probably the easiest way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you could go to Waves um, website. You could go to, so Tourette, that's Taraji, um, Taraji Beach, Beach Hotel and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Waves. Of course, their Facebook, all the play, all the things. But I think the most direct way would go to go to our website. That's the easiest way. Um, it's a big room, but this celebration, this this event needs a big space. And so uh, we want, we welcome everybody to come along whether you're in excess fans or just live music fans, whatever it is, but this is going to be a really great night. We really appreciate you guys, you, um, Bean Hayden and all your team for uh, supporting us on this. We're looking forward to having you there as our guests of honor. Thank um, you. And we'll do yeah. our bit. <laughs> oh, look, you've, you've done, your, you've done your bit and we'll do our bit. We'll be there and um, we're going to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show and having another lovely chat with me. Not four hours this time. <laughs> no, and just and I've only I've had literally had two glasses of wine last time. I think it was three bottles. Oh. And but let's not let it be another hundred and twenty-two episodes before I'm on again. No, no, we'll have you on again soon, perhaps after. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk so about we'll, the we'll, what, we'll what went it, on. We'll do a debrief. <laughs> a debrief. We'll do a debrief. I yeah. like it. I like yeah. it. All right, thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Love yous. Bye. Bye. Well, there's no time for me to read out the patrons this week, so now it's time for the news. This is Manny from the UK, and here is the news. In this week's chat news, there's still no sign of the very best of or Shabu Shabar Live in the Aria Top 50 album chat. However, encouragingly, in excess to have two albums in the Australian Albums Top 20. At number six, the very best of climbs two places. At number 16, up seven places, it's kick. Um, in better news, musicgrotto.com have put together a list of 21 best ever Australian bands and in excess find themselves at fourth place, just behind Midnight Oil at three, BGs at two and ACDC at number one. Michael has been featured in two high profile and contrasting stories this week. Bono has released his new book, Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story. One story the press have picked up on is how Bono's friendship with Michael deteriorated towards the end of Michael's life. The Guardian newspaper, though, have interviewed Callie Minogue about her involvement in the Mystified documentary. In it, she says that she wanted to honour what a wonderful, sensitive, iconic, funny and deep person Michael was. There are three significant dates this week. 31 years ago, November the 11th, 1991, saw the release of the original Live Baby Live album. 
Uh, ten years ago, 11th of November 2012, saw In Excess's last ever performance in Perth when they announced on stage before playing Need You Tonight that they were no longer going to be a touring band. And also, we celebrate what would have been the 68th birthday on 9th of November of former manager Chris Murphy. One of the missions of this podcast, of course, is to get In Excess into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Our friends over at inductinexcess.com, who look after the petition to get them there, have been busy this week spreading the word. There are two published articles this week, themusic.com.au and themusicnetwork.com, both feature this petition on their sites this week. So please go and search for them and please go and share them. Whilst we're talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we must send our congratulations to Duran Duran, who found their place in there last week. And of course, we send our best wishes to Andy Taylor. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the topic of the week. I'm going to try condense into two, uh, 60 seconds just these scenarios here. Pick which one suits your response. We've got Viv Richards, Smoke and Joe. What a song. Uh, we've got Ben Harper, you know, Live at Splendour. We've got somehow with two days' notice or a night's notice, Toto, 2003, Night at the Proms. You've stepped in to help the drummer. We've got Echo Homo video. I think you might be playing guitar in that video. Jimmy Barnes, co-produced Love and Fear. Uh, Richard Clapton, you produced Glory Road at 26 years of age. I was still learning how to walk and talk. We've got uh, a revenue raiser rumour that you and maybe someone from Grinspoon and Powderfinger did a revenue raiser at a school in Byron Bay. I've, I've got a yes. memory. Yes. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I've got, uh, well, yeah, there, there are a few things I'm throwing at you quickly for time reasons. Any of them connect with you? <laughs> oh, sure. Well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just go backwards. So the, the thing with Pat Davin and Bernard Fanning was simply because our kids were at the same school. Yes. And, uh, and so we thought, well, what a quick way to raise some capital for the school. We did this thing like a um a yacht rock gig oh beautiful uh, beautiful so, uh we played things like you know um key lago <laughs> well yeah, no that would be a good one no, we did things like um uh christopher cross you know uh, yeah. ride, like, ride like the wind, wind yes. uh, we did lido by boz skaggs yes. now the fun thing about lido with boz skaggs of course is that is that that's toto Yes, it's David Page. Okay, so yeah, David yeah. Page, uh, Steve yeah. Lucas, a really great friend of mine, Steve Lucas, Picaro and his brother Jeff Picaro. So they were in, they were in uh, with Boss Gag. I got into that album in 1976, 77. Silk Degrees? Silk Degrees? Silk Degrees. I had it yeah. on. I, yeah. I think I, I, I burnt a hole with a needle on the vinyl on that one. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. and with the shuffle, you know, that song is. And so we did a bunch of stuff like that. What about What Can I Say? That still sounds great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What what can I say? (laughs) You'll see and hear in my drumming and in my songwriting. I'm always, I'm always saluting and tilting my hat to those periods, those eras, those epochs of music. You know, uh, whether it be Motown or disco or you know that oldest early '70s funk. 
uh, R&B, you know, blues. And so they did the same thing. And that's why that's why it's timeless. The, the Toto thing was a complete, like, you know, I was Steve, look at the room, he's Johnny, how you doing, man? Like, <laughs> hey, man, you're sitting down. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I've just got a, a vodka and, 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 a, and a plate of food in front of me. And he's like, well, you got to play tomorrow night with Toto. I'm like, yeah. fuck, you know, <laughs> what? Then he sent me the charts, you know, to my hotel room. So I went back to the hotel and there's a whole stack of charts. I'm like, I don't read charts. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I, I just had to carve it out of ear and Out of uh, memory for being a fan, I guess, you know? It, but it, see, the thing is uh, with Toto, and this is what they do, this is why, why musos love them, is because their, their, <laughs> their uh, abilities, their styles are so bloody good and they're so cr- well-crafted that they've honed and honed it over years that, of course, Jeff Beccaro's style is, is very unique to him. Mm. And uh, that's not what I do in an excess. I don't do shuffles. You know, I don't do stuff like that. Mine's a lot more kind of straight on. So I had to quickly develop some shuffles in all those songs, you know. So, But it was great. They, they were very patient with me. Uh, you know, they were like, they were like making it kindergarten easy for me, you know, because to, compared to their their uh, musical kind of prowess, you know, prowess, I, I was a rock and roller, but not quite that level of like just being handed a chart and, and, and slotting straight in. But that was a really great experience. And I also enjoyed bringing a bit of a John Farris rock to, to that, that stage. Yeah. And, and it sounded great. It was really good. One, one of my highlights, uh, when we were just talking about this backstage of Kick with, uh, with uh, Kiss the other day with Doc, Doc McGee, but that was another highlight was the, uh, was the great musical experience in, uh, in Japan. Yes, yes, mm. yes. Running on stage with Ringo Starr was a big one for me. We're going to ask, was Steve, was Steve the guy, the conduit to get you in with Ringo to, to guest that night on Help With My yeah, Friends? Was yeah, that I the mean, link? Yeah. Steve's my huckleberry. I mean, Steve's, Steve's such a great friend. I mean, not only that. Uh, you know, hooking up with Ringo because I mean, he because under- Steve understands that I taught myself drums. Listening to Ringo Starr and my entire life was as a child was just Beatles, you know, um, mm. on every level. And of course, not only that, but the guys in the band that Steve was with with Ringo at that time, with Todd Rundgren, Greg uh, from from Santana. It, you know, this is a, an amazing lineup of guys. Yeah, Steve just said, "Hey Johnny, I think Ringo wants you to come on." I'm like. You know, couldn't believe it. Basically, yeah. no rehearsal, just yeah. on. And I sat on his drum kit, which wow. was, was just. I mean, I, I actually got off stage that night. I like, die now. And we're all good to go. You know. Yeah. Did you get a moment to talk with Ringo afterwards yeah. or have a chat? Yeah. 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 I, know, I flew down to Melbourne the next uh, day, and, and I was hanging out all day. Uh, you know, uh, backstage, and uh, he was sitting next to me, reading a newspaper, and we got like, you know, it was just fantastic. It was really good, you know, and so that's that sort of thing. Like for Steve Lukather to do that for me, for Steve Lukather to go to the, the, the trouble to you know, knowing that it was risking potentially, uh, you know, making Ringo have to go, you know, yeah. What, what do you want, Steve? You know, like yeah. you know, yeah. instead Ringo's like, yeah, you know. So he assessed that situation yeah. and he did it so well that enabled me to slip straight in. Like I was part of the band, I was, and then, and then even the promoter asked me if I want to join the band and all this stuff. Oh, wow. I said three drummers is too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One drummer. Yeah. And it takes us back when we spoke to Tim uh, and Andrew. Obviously, you went over to England as a youngster uh, uh, with your father on the the ship back in the uh, the 60s there. Is that right? 
Yeah, the whole family. The, the ship was called the Flavio. Mm. I actually just spoke to a man, a gentleman who is in his 90s, who called me out of the blue from his old age home saying he's so lonely because he misses my dad. And they met on that ship in 1964 or whatever it was, wow. uh, 63, 64, I just had a broken leg and I was in, a, I think I had my leg in a cast at the time. Yes. And so those days, those days you travel by ship, you know, wow. um, or fly and you, you do four or five stops on the way to, to England. But um, yeah, so we went over to England on the Flavio, uh, Flavio, sorry, I think Flavio sounds like a really sexy soccer player. Uh, <laughs> or a, or, a, or a, a sexiest model in the cosmos, Fabio. Remember him? <laughs> I am Flavio. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Hayden, go on with that. Be oh, no, that. no, you, you went over to England. We heard uh, Tim explain that you had a broken leg. I'm not sure how it broke from memory. Tim probably told the story, but uh, you probably – you're probably way too young, I guess, to remember the trip in England. Or were you? Uh, did you have any memory at all? Because I, I, I do, I do, I do. One of the earliest memories I have, um, which I won't really share because um, I don't think it's going to kind of work. Um, but something similar to what you see behind me is what I remember. Yeah. Um, but that's another story for another yeah. time when perhaps humanity is woken up a bit more. But it must have been great that your father, you know, had access to that trip where I think you, you, I think Tim and that you met George Harrison uh, backstage or something yeah, that, along those that lines. Part, that part's a little bit hyperbole, I think. Oh, um, okay. Uh, because <laughs> uh, as we know that, that uh, Rolf Harris is now in prison for pedophilia. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That show we were on, we were we were there apparently in a, in, in a TV studio at. Um, Rolf Harris's TV studio, whatever that was, wherever that was. Now, this is a really crusty, very, very crumbly memory, okay? Uh, sure. But I think what happens when, you, when you're in a green room or when you're in a TV studio and sometimes they have TV monitors that mm. you look at and you see what's either being broadcast or what, what's being queued up or, or what's, you know, whatever they're doing on, on, on television three, they might be doing something else. I think we saw a queue up of a video of the Beatles, and then they broadcast that video or whatever that was, that that packet, that production packet on the on the Rolf Harris show, which to a child would translate to there on the show. Right? Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> very, and I don't want to like you know just shoot that that with a with a surface air missile, but but um sounds like I just did. But but <laughs> that, that would probably that would probably give more kudos to, to the story really. But it makes it more cute. Don't worry when about you it. Speak, when you speak to a beetle and they go, We never played on the Rolf Harris show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's well, yeah, it's time to pull in your story a little. Mm. We, sen- we sense Tim's memory sometimes may not be as erudite as yours or Andrew's. Anyway, um, uh, and mine's very bullshit too, man. <laughs>
CVA resonate. With the original Sin album, we think this is sort of something which uh, uh, deserves uh, giving some profile to, um, to basically uh, undo, you know, what was the, you know, the songs for the original Sin album in 2010 and put them back together with your own sort of creative sort of uh, uh, bent on things. And I think you produced it with James Ash from Road Traders. Tell us a bit about that process because it must have been hard for Andrew to maybe contemplate it given he created a lot of them. How did you find that process of putting them back together? And for us, it was a satisfying listen, particularly Mediate. I think that's version with Tricky is, is yeah. almost better than the original. Well, some of those songs were, you know, James Ash uh, did the demos for them to construct um, a sort of a mud map of, of how different we're going to go. And, and uh, so he kind of initiated, because he's engaged originally to be that, that uh, producer there. Uh, and he, his role initially was to he, he sort of went away in his own studio lab and come up with some renditions that were kept the theme that were different enough to be not like the old recording, but enough to pursue and worthy of re-record. Okay. Um, why re-record a song that's already fantastic and the production's great. So it have to, in my view, they all needed to be a lot more different than the originals to, to, to warrant a re-record. And, mm. and he, that was my challenge. So when, when James Ash started that stuff and I became more and more involved in it and as it sort of developed, I became just like the Richard Clapton album started with Mark Ovitz and now I ended up producing it. With the James Ash stuff, you know, we had probably five, six, something like that amount of songs and then from there it sort of grew. See, I took it over to America and I was by myself over there so I was hooking up with Ben Harper and I hooked up with uh, Rob Thomas in New York and uh, who else? Uh, John Mayer, you know. Um, and Nick and, Acosta. And- so that Nick Acosta song, so when I did Kick, like I wanted to almost challenge myself to do a re-record so you almost can't even tell what someone is, you know. Mm. Um, mm. And that to me was a lot more of fun with the project because it was more almost cinematic, you know, it was more like uh, sort of something you could put underneath a, a film, uh, like a film track or something, you know. Yeah. Um, and then to go back to your question about Andrew and, and, and how did he feel, yeah, I mean, it, that was his turn to maybe sit back a little bit and kind of like, oh, what are you doing with my song, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. but as, as we all know, that he might come along uh, originally with Heaven Sent. You, you may have mentioned of Heaven Sent before. That was an acoustic version. Yeah. yeah. When Andrew wrote that, it was like, you know, it was this sort of dinga dinga on, on acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. And of course, we elevated the tempo and we turned it into a rock song. Yeah. No different. Exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. the other way around, you know. So sometimes songs get bought and, and submitted and they're completely different from how they end up being on, on the album. Sometimes they're almost verbatim as they're written and other times they morph into a completely different sort of animal. Yeah. Just that album was great fun. Fantastic album. One of my favorites, actually. And then look, a lot of people say, why can't I find it on Spotify? Why can't I find it here and there? I mean, because there were so many guests on it and everyone's got their own record company set up and they've all got, it's a lot more complicated than just us releasing a song if it was Mm. just us six guys. But because Mm. there's other artists involved, usually there's politics involved in why things aren't Spotify. I've got three copies. Someone once said, I think to do a cover song, you might as well mix it up because why do it? And which is what sort of you've said there. And you look at, say, Joe Cocker, A Little Help From My Friends, is such a different style to the Beatles version. Help by John Farnham, such a different style to the Beatles version. And then Jealous Guy by Roxy Music, such a, a different version to John Lennon's version. But yeah. but both versions of each of those songs stand on their own two feet. And I think, you know, what you did with the original Sin thing, it it, it created an immersive experience. And, and it, was, it would have been harder for the ardent fan to accept it. But if you're going to 
sign up for something like that, you have to be ambitious as a listener. And I think yeah. it did challenge the listener um, to the point where, you know, things like, you know, what I say, I think JD did a fortune, just sorry, JD fortune, JD fortune did a version. You had this, oh, sorry, the stairs yeah. uh, did, a, did, did a version of that, which was fantastic. Uh, Tricky's version of, uh, and, and even Beautiful Girl with Pop, Pat Monaghan right. um, was fantastic. Right. You know, right. it really, that's the cinematic type of. Uh, look, I yeah. agree. And we performed that with, um, with Pat on the Jay Leno show in, yes. in California. Now, what's interesting about most of all those songs on that album is there's about three or four different versions with all different singers on. So oh. it was a massive. When are we going to hear those? Well, I, I don't know if you ever will because it's just. We do. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, no, that's no, fine. It, it's so complicated. There were some restrictions, I think, with the gentleman from The Killers, wasn't there, being able to get you getting a release from his company because he had a solo album coming out, I think, at the time and just issues. Yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's always yeah. things like that. Not only that, but at the time, someone may have had, you know, really into it, and then a few months later, they, they, their situation changes. So we had to roll and ride with that, and that's why it was such a hard project to, to kind of – I mean, it was really challenging, and, and – um, Wow, you know, but it was really great experience and I really loved it. You know, depending on what sort of, what interests you within excess, it could just, people might just like the album and that's that's fine for them. Sometimes if you get in too deep and find out too much about the artist, you go, I would actually really like them. <laughs> They're not very nice after all, or, or whatever it is, you know, like yeah. uh, when you see uh, some footage of, of them in the studio recording that album, you go, that's not how I picture yeah. People's perception. I've got to explain this. Is, is it really important that you just can just contain a bit of mystery in there, you know, because mystery is what helps glue a lot of this stuff together. And now that we've all got, you know, the social media and all the shit, you know, uh, it, there's no mystery anymore. And it's taken away the, the, that part of your brain which fills in the blanks that's more personal to you. Mm. And I think... That, that when things are a bit more mysterious, you actually make them more personal because you, you fill in the blanks with your personal way you view it. Have you heard of the Mandela effect? I have indeed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's sometimes a nice place to be, you know, thinking some version of things are the versions, okay. you know. So, yeah. so do, your, do your viewers know what the Mandela effect is? You think? Well, I think I've spoken about it before. That is, I think it, it harks back to people being misconstruing at the date he uh, was released from prison. That's the the genesis of the idea where people got the dates wrong as to when he was released from prison. But, but what I understand is that people have different memories. So someone could say, I remember that he died in prison. Yes, yes. That's not getting a date wrong. That's a memory. Yes. In fact, what they're talking about is timeline shifts. Yes. Now that's a whole different <laughs> quantum that's a whole different quantum uh, yeah. level of, of discussion. But I'm interested that you brought that up because that's a, a field of research I'm really heavily involved in. So I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but but the Mandela effect, yeah, I guess if that's being coined now in a pop sense, then it's, it's already- No, no it's, it's not so much in a pop sense. It is, it is coined in the spirit of the way you've said it about our memories or time sequences or our version of events are sometimes littered with two outcomes or thoughts or whatever there. Uh, 
memories of Michael living in Hong Kong together, you know, recording together, you know, his lyrics to your, you know, Sonics and just the time together. Um, we know it's 25 years next month since he passed. We try high, uh, we try, you know, fly a, a flag high for him. We don't get into the scuttlebutt of everything that went on. We are thankful for what he did and we are thankful for the music. But um, tell us about, you know, your relationship with him in Hong Kong. I think you lived there for about 12 years all up. Yeah, I was a resident from 1987 to 1999, so it was 12 years. Yeah. It was awesome. It was really great because, well, Michael moved the year before I did, so he was already kind of over there in 86, which is while we're in the middle of recording Kick. And at that point is when I started to go, you know what, I might do the same move, but it, I was just a bit behind him. But what that was is we were starting to come back from touring, you know, uh, internationally and, and gaining traction like we were we were getting yeah we were, we were starting to make uh, a lot of noise around around the planet at that point that uh created obviously into the stardom status uh, as it was started to get bigger and bigger of course michael was, was was you know they were picking michael out more than me and that was um that was okay with me you know um but but what i'm saying is we come back to australia and, and after reaching great heights over there we come back to australia and, uh, you know, we, we'd get shot down because we'd be trying to explain what we were doing. People would be going, oh, mate, stop, uh, stop bragging and all this sort of stuff. But, but what we're trying to do is just like say, hey, we did this and it was amazing we did that. And because Australians being a little bit uh, insecure, you know, we tend to just sort of not talk about it, okay? Mm. We'd come back to Australia, you shuffle along like we were, you know, like 10 years ago, like nothing happened, um, <laughs> make everyone to, to, to appease everyone else. Um, and, and when we went to Hong Kong, it was even like, who the fuck are you? I mean, we were just, we were just expats. We were uh, a minority. We'd get off the plane in Kai Tak Airport uh, and we'd, we'd get a little taxi and, and we'd get back to our little shitty apartment in mid-levels in Hong Kong. And we were, we were humbled like big time. I was really humbling uh, mm. is, is probably the best way I could explain that. So it was good for us. So we'd come back from all this lofty kind of experience where everything was laid out and red carpet this and VIP this, and we mm. get in Hong Kong and it's kind of like you know, <laughs> get in line. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're just uh, you're just a Hong Kongian. So those days were great because we were we were rascals, we were scallywags. It was the end of a of a, a amazing sort of Western block inside an Eastern like a little Western oasis in this Eastern block. Um, that had a finite amount of time left. We, we knew that in 1997 it was going to be handed back to China. And so that, it was like West Berlin, the same thing. So Richard Clapton and I used to go to West Berlin a lot um, because of the same isolation. That was this incredible kind of community, this, this artistic community. Hong Kong was not, I would call, anything artistic. It was just very uh, – it was diverse – and it enabled us to to really experience a, a whole lot of culture, uh, all compact into this little little city. When I say little, I mean it was you know ten million people in this one space. Yeah. They always said if everyone came out of the buildings at once, no one fit. Oh. <laughs> um, but, but that was really great for for Michael and I because we were just sort of completely separate from the music business. We were separate from everywhere else. Uh, it gave us this completely unique little isolated bubble that we were able to uh, write and, and fun in. And and I guess, you know, the 
rapport that you guys had. I mean, it's interesting with the songwriting. Often you see songwriting in a band and it almost mirrors the start of their career when they all live together. And then later in the career, you and Michael live together. And I guess through convenience and stuff like that is where songs come from, just when you're living together, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, between sort of the swing and listen like these, you probably it's separated from each other a little bit. But, yeah, it must be interesting dynamic, as you said, to be putting music down in a room. Then Michael comes in and just comes up with a lyric, you know. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it's just bizarre because if we're in Australia, well, we, you know, we were still not, we, we didn't have money. We had to combine what we had and come together. So some of us would share hotel rooms and, and we, we'd share apartments from here, here and there. But once we were able to get our own hotel room and we were able to afford our own apartment, we never went back to live together, you know, mm. because we were with each other all dang day anyway. You know, like mm. you know, we, were, we were on the road 24-7 together. Uh, we were backstage together. And, and so when Michael and I went back to Hong Kong after touring, we go home to, our, to our own apartment we shared, which was bizarre. Mm. The, the adults at 25 years old are still, you know, sharing an apartment. But see, as soon as like we finish a tour and we go back to Hong Kong, we're not in an excess anymore. We're just yeah. a couple of guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was just like we were mates, and just so happened that we we're in a band together, and just so happened that we like to write music. Yeah, and, and and that that was really a simple, and so in a way that was a gift because it wasn't as contrived as it may may sound. Yeah, mm. how accurate was the miniseries, John? Yeah. Oh, look, the television. I mean, what did you think of it? Uh, yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, we we love everything, right? But I mean, for you, <laughs> I mean, it must be hard to look back. Obviously, for dramatic effects, certain things mm. would probably go a certain way. But uh, how how did you how do you look at the mini series uh, that was put together? Well, good question. I mean, it's not something that I have um, just orbiting in my frontal lobe all the time. So, <laughs> uh, from memory, some things were pretty accurate, and some things were way off. And other things were like like exaggerated, like there were certain things that are exaggerated. And there were some things that weren't played up hardly at all that, in my view, were, were, were much more either amazing or or whatever. Um, mm. Look, you know, it, it's about as good as it can be with, with a huge room full of politics. You've got TV producers trying to satisfy t- TV moguls, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this isn't this isn't a really um, sort of sanitized you know room where we're making a movie and we're bringing in all the parts and, mm. and, and and even then it's still that would still be just our version of what we think that yeah happened. Mm. so a television producer who's trying to extrapolate all these stories from different people and put it together to satisfy television it's about as good as it could have been, I guess. So yeah. if you, if you catch my drift, yeah, that, that combination of, of, of um, parts and elements to make up a TV show, it, it's never going to be absolutely accurate. So what would you have uh, emphasised a bit more? It's not something that I can rewind and play in my head very accurately. So, um, and I, and I haven't really laboured on it. I haven't really thought much about it. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll be, move on then. We've got some heavier for it. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing it. I remember watching it going, you know, like, look, it's very hard when if there's a scene about you and your mother, mm. you know, how can that ever be translated properly, you know? I mean, yeah. um, you know, if I'm there going, that's not what happened, then they go, oh yeah, but see, we've only we can only do this or we can only do that. So that's the best we can come up with. When you're okay, well, so we're negotiating. Mm-hmm. Now we're negotiating, we've been negotiating about a scene that happened. Yeah. Um, they're never ever going to be completely accurate. Uh, but but I thought it was well, I thought it was kind of cute 
you know, uh, mm. it was a cute TV thing. I, I don't think I, I would, I wouldn't use it if I was, I was doing a thesis on NXS. I wouldn't use it as a benchmark for, for things. And it got people talking. I mean, we, like, me and my neighbours were talking about it. The people at school were That's talking right. about I mean, it, you know, and, and then you, the yeah. ratings went up. And Yeah. And it's great. What it did was it, was it made a lot of um, people who, who were in a different generation realise something that they may have missed. Yes. I think what it made it do was uh, you sort of – I don't think NXS were ever guilty of bragging too much. I think what it did, it really highlighted to the average Australian the tenacity and the hard work it took to do what you did. And there's this great scene at the end where they interspose the real footage of you guys and everything there. And I, it was so inspiring. I think you were online that night. It was on too, John. I think we might have, I might have sent a picture of my number plate, which uh, arrogantly has NXS one and you replied to me. <laughs> <laughs> that mini series was on that night and you were online. And But uh, there were so many people like had tears in their eyes going, Wow, I just never knew. Yeah. I just never knew that's what they had to do because yeah. there wasn't the internet back then. There wasn't this sort of uh, groundswell of social media support that would create a bubble that you would ride on. It was almost yeah. like this hidden hidden secret that needed explaining to the average mm. Joe. And I think mm. that's the greatest thing it did. Oh, look, and, I, and I'll just sort of um, add to what you just said. And thanks for that. Was a very good kind of a, a nice broad uh, summary. I think you're right, and 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 I don't want to discount those positive elements at all about that series because I thought it was on that basis really good. I think it's very, very hard to translate to an audience just how much work was involved, you know, without it being a boring show. I mean, you, you don't want to watch hours and hours of people working, you know what I mean? But but it, it's, no, it, no. you have to be showing these highlights to try and get some context of just how much sacrifice there was you know look yeah. I had okay we were just talking about being our kids in the same age okay now I was on tour watching my brothers not be with their children okay yeah. that was really heavy and it was really hard and I wouldn't I wish it on anyone my worst enemy that that was one of the hardest things I watched to watch them endure that separation from their little kids now that was their choice and I'm grateful that they did that because we wouldn't have done what we did, but there were great sacrifices is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a big sacrifice. And, and those sacrifices, you can't come back, and they're these life lessons. And, and a lot of time it gets pulled back in the music, and I think it goes back to the very beginning of this this podcast we were talking about, you know, the melting pot of inspiration, why songs are written and, and how we might mature as we start to write songs and, and mm. our skill sets get bigger. I think it's more the more you live, the more you learn, and the more heartbreak you have um, that adds to your passion and your compassion. And and I think that's the sort of story that's hard to put in a TV show, you know, but but, but, but you got it. So I'm really, really grateful that you pointed that out. It's nice. And they could never tear us apart. brought a lot of uh, the community in excess community together as well of the fans you brought us all together and it brought us out because like I was saying to Hayden you know I hid my in excess under the bed for a long time you know because <laughs> I sit under your bed you were under my bed <laughs> for a very long time not anymore <laughs> who's under my bed <laughs> On our podcast, we've gone through the the, the concert for life, uh, uh, the greatness of the concert, and then the exploitation. I think that came of that, and and I think Chris Murphy didn't do the band any favors when it came to getting stuck into things 
and making you guys sort of not say anything after the concert and be quiet and whatever, you know. And that's just my own personal opinion. I think you were all told to don't say anything. The media don't get it. And all this great money for Vincent Chang and all the great goodwill, I don't think was ever you know, quite acknowledged. And we've gone through that little tall poppy period about where, you know, there was this negative throwback in excess domestically. And we think that mini mini series had a lot of those sort of closet fans come back and realise, you know. Yeah, I agree. I think there was some, there was some amelioration from that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that was ameliorated somehow um, through a little bit of healing uh, of a bit of, a, a bit of recognition that came back. So I, I agree with that. I, I think uh, I, I was really happy. I mean, yeah, you know, we were all very happy that there was this great. You know, there was a couple of months there where you couldn't avoid in excess. I mean, it was like full on, and it reminded me of the days when when we were doing it. You know, yeah. so that was for memory. It was 2014, and a lot happening, and the albums were going ballistic. Everything mm-hmm. was back on the charts. Yes. Everything's content. recharting. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like wow. You know, yeah. wow. And, and, and for that, I'm, I'm eternally grateful, um, just as long as, you know, the connections are genuine and authentic. You know, that, that for me, is the most important thing. And this is Mammy from the UK. This is Lisa Mack from Brisbane, Australia. And this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. And that's a wrap. Wow. Well, how good was that? I hope you enjoyed it as much as Hayden and I did interviewing John and part three will be coming next week. So uh, we look forward to hearing your reviews on that. Um, Always welcome on all of our platforms. If you want to email us or message us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it's awesome. Actually, I better say happy birthday to Laurie. Hello, Laurie. We hope you've been having a wonderful birthday there. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to have you back with us because I've missed you. Um, I actually put a little um, post out um, last week asking you where you were from. And I've had loads of feedback. I'm just going to read out uh, a few names here. And most of you have been following us from day dot. So it's, it's really lovely for us to know that you know that you reach back to us because I'm putting this out and every week and I see the numbers go up but it's just nice to know the names and just know that there's um, people out there and where you're from so this is really cool so I want to say hello to Gareth, Donna, Yvette, wow, Peter, Leonie, Heidi, Megan, Ed, Brett, Samantha, oh my goodness, the list goes on, Susan, Mark, Manuela, (laughs) Matisse, David, Jocelyn, oh wow, Bada, um, Ella, O.L.s, Cheryl, Cheryl, sorry, Um, we love you, Mark, Phil, Looting from this list there, it's huge. Jennifer, Andy, oh my goodness, um, Angie, Diane, wow, um, Thomas, John, Mark, Karen, oh my goodness, Phil, Jody, Sai, Tiana, I love that name, Sarah, Teresa. And Evelyn and Christine and Vicky and Sharon and the list goes on. Martin, oh my goodness, you're just all wonderful. Thank you so much for following the podcast. 
I can now announce that the auction is live. It's been live for a few days now. We've had about 10 bids. It's signed by all five of the In Excess band members of the original Sin album. This is not just the original Sin album that John um, Farris produced, but this is the one that is the deluxe version with the 40 page inlets there. Oh, awesome beautiful in fact um to look at and um to uh, read well never mind play but it is in mint condition never been played before so um if you can um, find some funds and you want to support us then go along onto ebay um the um link is in our description as we speak okay so um let's go out with a song today um because I've been listening and listening and listening to the new Shibu Shibu album and there's one song that's been played on there a few times and I'm beginning to love even more and I'd like to play a live version from Magic Mountain so over to Michael and Tim, Gary, Kirk and Andrew and our gorgeous John goodbye everybody here comes
another song. Same album, it's called Jan Song. <laughs> <laughs> 